A very good morning to you all. I hope you're all feeling comfortable. I'm Kate Woodward, uh, married to the lovely Neil Woodward. Yeah, <laughs> the only lovely Neil Woodward. Today, uh, we come to the end of our week of prayer. As we have joined with the church across the nation to pray, Thy kingdom come. To pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. To pray, to pray for the breath of God's spirit to come in power and revive our hearts and our nation. And what better day to celebrate all this than today on Pentecost Sunday. The day on which the Holy Spirit was poured out in power on the early church just as Jesus had promised. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Acts 2. Get it out on your phones. However you have it, do have a look at it. And I'm going to read it to you. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you. It is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And so this is Jesus at his ascension, at his ascension into heaven, telling the disciples to wait for the gift that the Father has promised, to wait in Jerusalem and be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to wait to receive power from on high. What for? so that they could be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And then in chapter 2, we read this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we're probably all really familiar with this passage. We know about Pentecost. We talk about Pentecost. But I believe the Lord would have us all experience a fresh Pentecost this morning. And I don't think we should be content to experience anything else. And while we may be familiar with the text, do we really know what Pentecost is all about? Well, to know what Pentecost really means, we need to look at this account at the book of Acts to see what it's the Pentecost achieves 
and the huge change in life it brings about. So why don't we pray right now? Lord, we welcome your Holy Spirit. Open our hearts to, to see you, Lord. Open our minds, Lord, and open our spirits. Lord, we want to see you afresh this morning. We want to see what you're doing by your power, by your might, by your spirit. Amen. Now, when God is about to do something incredibly important, he usually gives some sign beforehand to somehow grab our attention. And here we've got two, got, and here we've got these two preparatory signs. At the first is the violent wind. And in the Hebrew, the word for wind and spirit are the same ruach. It's the same word that is used right back at the beginning of Genesis when God breathed life into creation. And the sound of this wind is, first of all, a sign for our ears. It's a sign for our hearing, something to, for our ears to hear, to get our attention, to make sure we're listening. And then comes a sign for our eyes, something for our eyes to see. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. And again, just like the wind, fire is another sign of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was talking about John the Baptist back in Acts 1, he was referring to a verse in Matthew 3 when John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Wind and fire, signs and symbols of the Holy Spirit. And right up until this moment, the apostles were probably in some kind of state of silence and expectation. Jesus had told them to go and wait, to wait for the gift the Father was going to send them. And so probably quietly and patiently, and without really knowing what's going to happen, that's what they've been doing, waiting patiently to see what God would do. And then the reality of Pentecost comes in power. And it's all summed up in less than one line. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And we should really pause here for a while. Because it's so easy to skip over this phrase without realizing what's actually happening. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, the Holy Spirit is the love of God. It's this flame, the flame of love, the fire of love, the fire of life, the fire of light. We can use so many names, so many pictures, but love is really the best one of all. Because the Holy Spirit is love that goes between the Father and the Son. So to say that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit means that they were all filled with the love of God. They were caught in the middle of the furnace of love. In Romans 5.5, 5, Paul explains Pentecost in this way. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is, in essence, a short account of the Pentecost. The love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This is the essence of Pentecost. 
They were baptized in the love of God. It is as if the ocean of all of God's incredible love has broken through all the barriers, all the obstacles, and has inundated them and submersed them and overwhelmed them. That's why from this moment on, they were different people. They were new men. And they were intoxicated, overwhelmed and overcome by his presence and by his love. And any time a person has a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit, a new Pentecost, the most enduring aspect of it is this discovery of the love of God, to be loved by God. I remember when I first got saved at this church, how many years ago? Too many to, to think of, probably about 20 20 odd, thank you darling, for that. <laughs> 20 odd. I remember we were in a different school. We were at one down in New Morden, but um, someone, John Wright, gave the gospel, and um, I had been standing in the back smoking away up to that point. I know Neil mentioned it to you earlier in his, in his series. But I remember I wasn't smoking at the time, but I remember being compelled to run forward and experience the love of God for the first time. I just, I just will never forget that moment. And I'm sure all of you here sitting right now will remember or have a, have a memory of a time in your life when you felt that overwhelming love, unconditional love of God. Every time when we were here 20, um, five years ago and all the time that I was here for 20 years, I would drive up. We were allowed to use this car park then. And the worship band would be playing. And I remember coming in. Oh, the Holy Spirit comes when you're not expecting it. And uh, I remember parking the car with the kids when they were young. And, uh, and I hear the windows were open like they are now. And the worship was filling out of this church. And I was felt the love of God immediately. I just felt I was coming home. I just felt accepted. I felt this is my home. This is where I can be myself. No mask. No, nothing else. Just Kate Woodward. Just who I was. The Lord loved me just for who I am. Then. He loves me then and he loves me now for who I am. Not what I do for him, but the fact that he loves me. He knows me. And that love of God that we're talking about is for you all. And you all know that. But the love of God needs to spill out from the church for people to, like the river of God that flows from the temple and the river to people have, find that they're walking in the river, they're walking in the Holy Spirit, they're walking in the love of God. This love of God is for all. This Thy Kingdom Come week has been Justin Welby's sort of invitation to us all to pray for the kingdom to come in this land for this world to break through for people to be saved to know the love of God that they are known and accepted and loved and called by their name day after day after day I thank you for your consistency Lord I thank you for your persistency it took me a while to come into the kingdom I had to make sure I wasn't just, you know, straight in there. I watched people from the back. I stood at the back where you guys were, and I watched people with their arms up praising their God. And I thought, who do they love? 
as much as that, that they're expressing it with their whole body. Who do they love? Who do they love like that? Who do we love? We love an awesome God. A God that will not be contained. A God that will not be broken. A God that wins. A God whose love is unconquerable. Unfathomable, but true. He's a God of justice and of peace. He's a God of mercy. He's all that we have hoped for and more. If you're sitting here thinking, what is this God? He is true. He is right and he's for you. And he calls you today by name. Now Jesus had told them all this was going to happen. Not that bit. But anyway, just... (laughs) That's an added bit. Anyway, but 10 days before he ascended into heaven, Acts 1, I'm going back to my notes and then I might go off piece again, but days before he ascended to heaven in Acts 1 and 7, Jesus said, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with Holy Spirit. 10 days later, it was Pentecost. But let's just take a look at the word baptize. Baptize means to be fully immersed in water. And this was a full immersion. If we want to experience a fresh Pentecost, we must be ready to open our hearts again and receive this full Niagara Falls of the love of God. But before moving on, let's just go back to the opening verse. When the day of Pentecost came. Because what this means is that Pentecost existed before this Pentecost. We tend to think of Pentecost as the day of the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles, which it was, but Pentecost had been, had been celebrated for centuries. They had all gathered together in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And in much the same way, as we can't grasp the full meaning of Easter unless we see it as the fulfillment of the Old Testament Passover feast, so too we won't fully understand Pentecost unless we see it as the fulfillment of the first Old Testament Pentecost. And Pentecost was an agricultural feast when the priests offered to God the first sheaf of the harvest. But then Pentecost acquired a new meaning and became a historical feast, which was to commemorate events on Mount Sinai when God gave the law and on the basis of the law established a new covenant between God and his people. And it was a founding moment in the life of the gospel of God. And certainly at that time of Jesus, Pentecost, for the Jews commemorated the giving of the law. In fact, the Hebrew liturgy for today, there's a text that says, today is the feast of the gift of our Torah, our law. But what does it mean? When the Holy Spirit comes in power, precisely at that time when Israel is celebrating the gift of the law, well, this is what St. Augustine's had to say. He wrote, look at the analogy and look at the difference. Fifty days after the immolation, the sacrifice of the lamb in Egypt, the finger of God, the Holy Spirit on Mount Sinai, wrote the law on tablets of stone. And fifty days after the immolation of the true lamb of God, Jesus, again the finger of God, the Holy Spirit, writes the law. But this time, not on tablets of stone, but on the hearts of people. 
which means that the Holy Spirit is the new law, which Paul calls the law of the Spirit, the law of the Spirit which gives life. Romans 8 verse 1, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit, which gives life in Christ Jesus, has set you free from the law of sin and death. He has set us free from the law of sin and death. What's the, between, what's the difference between any other law, including the Ten Commandments, and this new law of the Spirit? All these other laws from the outside, they can't change the heart. They just tell us what to do. But they can't give us life. But this new law, the love of God, gives new life in Christ Jesus. Here we see the newness and absolute novelty of Christianity. Christianity is absolutely different from any other religion. All other religions begin by telling people what to do, by telling us the law. If you want to achieve this goal, you must go this way. Christianity doesn't begin by telling people what they must do to be saved. Christianity begins by telling people what God has already done in Jesus Christ to save them. Christianity is about grace, amazing grace. And all the other stuff, the things that we do, the things that we have, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the acts of kindness, our heart for evangelism, our compassion, all of it, it all comes out of amazing grace. I know all of you have done unseen and perhaps seen gifts of kindness. I know, because I know the stories I've heard, you are amazing. And it is a wonderful thing to do an act of kindness. Yesterday on the radio, I heard a, a story. I think it's one of the radio, Radio 4, does a little section in the morning, on a Saturday morning, of people who phone in. And they say thank you to someone who did an act of kindness. But the thing that struck me yesterday is that these people, the acts of kindness came at a pivotal time of their lives. So one lady would, um, she, the story goes, and I might have got a little bit wrong, but the sense of it is correct, in the sense that she, was, she had a, a parent who had Alzheimer's and was dealing with an elderly parent. And uh, she was just, it was just, she was exhausted. And um, this, she's not a Christian, or not that I know of. And uh, she goes to, a, she couldn't cope with the crowds or anything. And she went to a station, a local station, and found herself in a cafe. And she just put her head in her hands and just started to weep. Just at the thought of just everything just crashing down. And, uh, and then she said, I just want to say thank you. Oh, just get to me every time. Because it's something so small that we all can do. She wanted to say thank you because someone turned up. They didn't, do, they didn't say anything, but they said, I think you need a cup of tea and just bought her a cup of tea. A cup of tea. And she said that was pivotal, that act of kindness to her being able to, to carry on. We are filled with the love of God. The fruits of the Spirit to love people to show acts of kindness it's amazing 
It's all a result of that grace, not a cause of that grace. Now we're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews for every nation under heaven, devout people from every nation under heaven. And they gathered together and listened to the apostles who went out speaking all these different languages, anointed by the Holy Spirit. They went out speaking to all those gathered there. And all these people that were gathered were bewildered because even though they all spoke different languages, they understood the apostles perfectly. They were amazed. They were perplexed, which is what happens when the Spirit of God comes in power. Utterly amazed, they asked. Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans, then how is it that each of us hears them in their native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Bible scholars make this connection, what's happening at Pentecost now and what happened at the Tower of Babel. Genesis 11 verse 3 to 4 says that at Babel they spoke one single language that yet couldn't understand each other. And yet here at Pentecost, they're all speaking all kinds of languages, and yet they can understand each other perfectly well. Martin Luther said this, Where is the sin of the builders of Babel? They said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches the heavens. And then they add, So that we make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. They wanted to build a temple not to glorify God, but to glorify themselves. Now look at Pentecost. And yes, maybe before Pentecost, the apostles were concerned about making a name for themselves, about who could be greater. But now they've completely forgotten about themselves. And all they're interested in doing is proclaiming the great deeds of God. They've been consumed, inundated, overwhelmed by the presence of God. And suddenly, all that wrangling and jostling for position couldn't matter less. If we want to experience a real Pentecost in our lives, we have to go through the same radical conversion from being self-centered to being Christ-centered, to not being concerned without making a name for ourselves, but being concerned with making a name for Jesus Christ. As long as we are pushing and striving to make a name for ourselves, we'll be in Babel, not in Pentecost. We need to stop quarreling amongst ourselves and instead just proclaim together the great deeds of God to the world. Now have a look down to verse 23 and it seems as if Peter has something important to say. And in verse 22, there's this introduction to what he's going to say. You can imagine the scene. Everyone's quiet, waiting for Peter to talk. Fellow Israelites, listen to this, he says. And at this point... Peter speaks this name with the full anointing of the Spirit of God, which has, he has just received moments before. And 3,000 hearts start beating hard in their chest. And he says the name, and the name was Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Do you remember this man, he said? who went around doing good to everybody. And when Peter's sure they all know what he's talking about, 
he hits them with his he hits them with his twofold statement you may have killed him but god has raised him for this reason the whole house of israel must know that god has appointed this jesus both lord and messiah so what does this all tell us as we celebrate pentecost day well firstly that we are all called to talk about jesus wherever we find ourselves with whoever the lord puts in our path like the apostles have we must speak of the death and the resurrection of jesus because we live in a world that's more and more like the first century world of the apostles they lived in a pre-christian culture we live in a post-christian culture their society knows nothing about jesus and our society knows nothing about jesus and we need to be using the same tools that they use to confront the culture of our day and as we see here for peter's speech it's the proclamation and declaration of just two events that jesus died for our sins and then rose again as christians we are called and empowered and equipped to bring hope to the despair we see every day all around us and we bring that hope by telling the world that Jesus died for our sins and that on the third day he rose again that we might have life and life to the full hope instead of despair and life over death god has made this jesus both lord and messiah jesus is lord Jesus is Lord. In Romans 10:9 Paul writes, "If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved." And as we come to the end of prayer week, when we have been praying for our nation, if our nature declares with its mouth and believes in its heart and its heart that God raised him from the dead, our nation will be saved. and as this week as we go to the polls to elect a new government who will take this country forward never has this cry been more important what's pentecost all about it's about letting jesus come again into our lives accepting jesus again as lord of our lives proclaiming him wherever we go as lord and savior let's fall in love with jesus again let's give him full dominion and reign over our lives you all know of um holman hunt's painting which i love the light of the world the story goes that when it was unveiled someone in the crowd noticed that the door at which jesus was knocking had no handle and the artist's response was that it was painted that way to show that the door opens only from the inside we have to open the doors of our hearts to jesus to let him in revelation 3:20 says this here i am i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and eat with him and he with me lord which the people of england ireland scotland and wales and the world hear you knocking would they hear you knocking lord but let them welcome you in 
Lord, we pray this day, this moment, this hour, that you would walk in to the hospitals where people are being cared for from last night's incident and also the previous one in Manchester. And also across the other hospitals in the world where there has been terrorism this week. Lord, we invite your presence to hover like in the beginning of the word of the Bible. When you hovered over the desolate land. Hover, Lord. Brood over this world. We welcome you in. We welcome you in our own hearts again this morning. We welcome you in our family, into our family. We want you to walk around the world, Lord. We want you to come in your power. We want you to anoint us again for, for signs and wonders. Would you come with your fresh anointing this morning? Would you come, Lord? Would you come? Would you come now as we sit and welcome you? Would you come now, Lord, and breathe upon us for those who need to feel your perfect love? Would you cup your hands in their, with their face, Lord, and breathe upon them afresh right now, Lord? Would you whisper words of comfort to those who need to hear your words of comfort? For those who need to understand your protection and feel your shield, would you come now? Would you anoint our hands afresh this morning for of signs and wonders, which is the DNA of the vineyard, for signs and wonders? Would you anoint us afresh, O oh Lord, for boldness, for strength, for encouragement, for naturally supernatural, to be to walk alongside those who are in need, to lay upon lay a hand upon those who need your comfort, to welcome into the kingdom who need to be restored. We give you thanks for the local church, Lord, across the world. The local church is the hope of the nation and the world. We give you thanks for all the denominations across this world. Would you breathe upon them afresh this morning, this day, this hour, this moment? Would you come by your might, not by our might, but by your might, Lord, let people see the wind of God. Would they feel the joy of the Lord that only comes from you? Come, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would walk amongst us. And where people say, I am, I, I, I'm afraid, Lord. I don't, I don't feel seen by you. Lord, would you... Remove what stops them from seeing you as you are supposed to be seen. We pray for the pastors in the churches 
in um, London this day and in Manchester. We pray for the people in all these places, Lord, the pastors on the, on, on the street corners. We pray for people receiving the gospel this day. We need you, Lord, and we welcome you. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a hunch that um, we're just to do ministry slightly differently. Not just to stay sitting where you are. When I mentioned about um, coming forward and feeling the love of God for the first time, I'm feeling like the God who made the universe and the God who made this world knew me. And that's priceless. And it was life-changing. And I felt so validated to be a human being at that point that I could live life I could serve the Lord. So I'm just going to pray. Actually, why don't you stand? Let's just welcome the Lord. Neil, Donnie, do you want to come and help me here? said to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem. And this morning we're here, gathered as, as part of the body of Christ, and we wait. We wait for the Spirit of God to pour out upon us. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria to the very ends of the earth. So this morning I encourage you to stick out your hands and receive the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit who is here this morning as we celebrate Pentecost. Because this morning the Spirit of God is filling each one of you. He is releasing his power, the love of God on every single one of you, every single one of us, that we might be his witnesses. We pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We are the agents of God's kingdom. We are Jesus' hands and feet. God's kingdom comes 
at our fingertips. We co-labor with Christ because of his goodness and his grace. So receive the Holy Spirit. Be filled yes. with the Spirit of the living yes, God. Lord. Yes, Lord, more. We want more of you, Lord. We welcome you. We welcome you. Fill them. Fill our lives. Fill them up, Lord. Fill us up as a church, Lord. Fill the people who are serving and bring your kids up. Fill whoever is serving in different areas of the church this morning. Fill them up, Lord. Now, if you could see what I could see from this place, the Spirit of the Lord is, is hovering and doing his thing. Some of you need that interaction with one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. You need, to do, you need to just have that interaction, that connection with the Lord, to have that honest chat. Some of you just need to lay at the foot of the cross, Crucifix. like Mike mentioned at the very beginning, to put Crucifix. down the worries or the fear or anxiety, or perhaps it's a certain situation, Crucifix. to lay it down at the foot of the cross. Crucifix. But we have a resurrected God who comes with joy and is equipped with fullness of Christ and equipped with joy. It's more just wave after wave of God's presence is inundating us with his love and his goodness and his grace. Yes, Lord. Just receive all that he has for you. so much more than you can ever ask or imagine. Keep pressing in yeah. if you're just, if just keep waiting on the Lord. He will come. He will speak to you, Lord. Give them ears to hear your voice this morning. Give them eyes to see what you're doing. Come and touch, Lord. Come and revive. Crucifix. Come and refresh. Come and restore. Yeah. Bring your healing. Fill them afresh, Lord. as we worship just some of you just carry on receiving don't don't disengage with the lord let the lord the lord is doing lots of stuff here whether you you may not feel it you may not feel like your shake rattling, rattling or rolling the spirit of god is doing something very quiet and very deep and very profound and allow yourselves the space and this time to press into him and so just as we worship just receive just from the lord receive all that he has for you and then when you've received your, your full to the brim to overflow, and then just go and lay hands on somebody. Guys, pray for guys. Girls, pray for girls. Just go and lay hands and Come. bless what you see the Spirit, of doing, the Spirit of God doing. The Lord's distributing his gifts just as we stand here. He's distributing gifts of prophecy. He's distributing gifts of uh, healing, words of knowledge. And so as you just go and minister to one another, just expect the Lord to you, speak through you and to you and through you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, have your way with us. 
Lord, we thank you. We love you that you just inhabit the praises of your people. You just show up. You want to bless us. I don't know why. Don't let any one of us leave this place untouched by your spirit. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.
As you got together with your prayer people, if you just turn around and just pray for one another now and just bless one another again. Because the Lord is doing many things. Never underestimate what the Spirit of God is doing. Whether it's putting your arm around someone and blessing them in the name of the Lord. Having a prophetic word, speaking into their lives, smiling at them. We can change. We change so much by how we are. And uh, you have the Lord in you, so you can go and transform someone's day right now by blessing them in the name of the Lord. So God bless you. This is a formal ending as we'll ever have one. May the Lord bless you and keep you this day. May the Lord fill you again and again and again with his power this morning and his fill, him, fill you again with his Holy Spirit. May you be overwhelmed and full of joy and may worship songs be filling in your head as you sleep and as you wake. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great rest of the day and God bless.